Welcome to The People I Know, a philosophical podcast with and about the diverse people I've met over the years as an African-American thinker, dancer, and other whatnot. Today's guest is Miss Isabel Devi, a Denver, Colorado-based dominatrix, fetish model, and a self-proclaimed boot hoarder. I hope you enjoy. Hello, I'm Miss Isabel, Miss Isabel Devi. But, you know, Miss Isabel is fine for friends and kind people in my life. Uh, I am a professional female dominant. I have been in the entertainment industry for most of my adult life and also in the adult industry for most of my adult life. I actually uh, worked at a adult store. That was one of my first kind of like sexy jobs that I had and just everything in my life kind of um, always ran down that like sexy job line. Like I love the adult industry. I think it's a great place full of great people. And um, I've been in it for about 10 years now and I'm happy here. <laughs> um, I also do performing arts more as a hobby than anything else. That's how we met. I've yes. met so many good people <laughs> through that. Um, and also some that weren't as good. <laughs> We don't talk about those guys. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I like to dance and I like to be bossy and um, I like to make friends like you. So ah. if anyone ever has any questions for me regarding uh, any of the things that I do, I'm usually pretty open in answering them. I'm Miss Isabel Debbie on most platforms. So like just ask Miss Isabel Debbie and if you find me on there and you could be friendly and say hello. Um, I won't be too angry unless you're a mooch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll absolutely put your uh, your information. But I do it's... I do love my community. So if anyone ever like needs advice or a friend, um, I'm here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and there's, uh, I did add a few questions on my list for today, because um, I realized I'm like, oh, goodness, uh, some people are going to be really wondering just kind of the basics. And you know, you've already covered one thing as far as like, how did you, how did this come into your, how did your life blossom in this kind of way? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so so you and I met because uh, of go-go dancing and um, <laughs> you were my boss. <laughs> and uh, yeah, dealing with um, nice and not so nice people in the wee hours of the morning while uh, dressed in cute clothes. <laughs> and the challenges. Yeah. Oh, the challenges, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it. There weren't that many like bad nights. I just feel like the the few nights that were bad were just so dramatic, <laughs> like made up for. Right, right. No, they weren't overwhelmingly bad nights. It's just the ones that were bad were like catastrophically bad. Yeah. <laughs> were like, how did I end up here? <laughs> what am I doing with myself? Here? Like, yeah. I must have like upset some like deity somewhere <laughs> right punishment <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so um next question to kind of get out of the way is um i've always been familiar with your well somewhat familiar with your background but you are part of this season as uh the mixed chicks i know because you are some kind of mixed and so what kind of mixed are you and why does it matter and why doesn't it matter um no when i think of you i think like you did not start out in the United States or you have no. some, some <laughs> and you ended up here some kind of way. <laughs> I can give you a quick rundown because I don't want it to get very long and drawn out because it can very easily become that way. But I was okay. born in Bulgaria. Uh, when I was about four years old, my parents had this overwhelming dream, like most other, you know, smaller country people to move to the United States and have the American dream. So they thought that maybe if they snuck into Germany, they could uh, more easily sneak into the United States, but that was illegal and they figured out that it was very dangerous. So we ended up living in Germany for three years, four years, three years. And then we went back to Bulgaria because we couldn't stay there any longer. It's kind of hard to be in Germany if you're not there legally. <laughs> mm. um, and then um, we lived in Bulgaria for like five more years and we won the diversification visa. That same one that Trump was trying to get rid of. Oh. We won that thing. People oh. won it. 
and they come here like that from that weird uh it's it's supposed to be a raffle but we don't think it's a raffle we think they mm. definitely pick and choose the people who get to finally come okay um, and that's like you'll be a good representation yeah so we ended up here in 1998 right before y2k was going to destroy the world now <laughs> now it's something else destroying the world, <laughs> destroying the world. <laughs> every few years something is just destroying the world yeah. i think godzilla is next oh gosh don't put that out there don't <laughs> i can't handle that <laughs> 10 foot lizard, not your jam? <laughs> not my jam. Gosh, I've just been dealing with like the snakes out here. Like that's enough. Like I'm finally at this moment of like, all right, if I see another snake, I'll be okay. Like I've got my tongs to like grab it instead of kill it. Like I'm, I'm good, but like giant stuff in the, no. <laughs> are they venomous? Are they venomous ones? Some of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. That would freak me out. <laughs> I love snakes, but I don't want to deal with the venomous ones. I, I don't yeah. want to be bitten by one. So yeah, no. Yeah, that's sketchy. <laughs> Super sketchy. Um, yeah, that's how I ended up here. And I lived in Florida for 19 years. Um, I moved to Colorado in um, 2017. Ironically, maybe, uh, right? Like the same week that I moved. Like I, I moved to um, the United States on September like 22nd, I believe. And I want to say we left um, Florida like the same week, September like 20th. Oh, wow it was weird I don't know I don't know if it means anything I don't think it does but it's a cool coincidence yeah so exactly 19 years I spent in Florida gave them 19 of my life <laughs> I love Colorado it's much much cuter than Florida I think I'm a little biased, much cuter that's what I think <laughs> you don't sweat as much <laughs> oh okay okay yeah that's a good point um yeah I mean I, I thought I definitely count you as mixed because, you know, the whole part of an idea of being mixed is that you come from two or more very different backgrounds, like upbringings. Yeah. You have, I mean, clearly, you, whether you're talking Bulgaria or Germany, like that's very different than the United States for all kinds of reasons. And so like trying to assimilate into the United States, much less like Florida, like, which is yeah, about as U.S. Weird. as you can get. It's <laughs> so I was like, do you ever uh, get to go back home, or how frequently do you get to go? Um, I don't know. If, I think this this would add to the question a little bit, so I'm gonna throw mm. it in there. Um, my parents are also two different two different nationalities. My dad is okay. Bulgarian, and my mom is Armenian. She was born in Bulgaria, but her her father and mother are Armenian. So I'm technically half okay. Armenian, which is doesn't really mean anything to me I don't um I didn't learn Armenian unfortunately it's a pretty difficult language it's qu quite abstract compared to the other ones that I know so I didn't I wasn't able to absorb it but it's there I'm 50% Armenian <laughs> um and a little bit of that does seep into our culture I mean I lived with my um grandmother and great-grandmother on my mother's side for um, the duration of time that we lived in Bulgaria. So like those first three years and then the five years between Germany and United States. And I, I did get some of the cultural things from them. You know, my, my grandma taught me things. So I got a lot of that, like the cultural fears and the weird, yeah. the weird little um, superstitions that they had. Um, I carried those with me for a while, but I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I've, I've reasoned myself out of most of it now. <laughs> um, but that was, that was part of it. It was, it was a little bit weird growing up like that because even though I got to learn a lot of different cool things, like it was confusing, you know, for a child, like now you have to do things this way. Okay. Now we're in the United States. You got to do them in a different way. People are different. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was very confusing growing up. But would I change it? I don't know. I, I learned a lot of cool things along the way. Like it was terrible and awful and I hated it many times, but like, no, yeah. I'm kind of like, would I trade that though? Like, would I trade like the hardships for all of the cool memories that I have? I don't know. It's kind of yeah. 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 I mean, especially like on the surface, like just knowing different languages kind of having an understanding of different cultures and and what that like just what it means to understand different cultures like you can do this here you shouldn't do this here um there are consequences for these kinds of things um and then i'm sure like food 
<laughs> but yes, <laughs> I, by the way, I recommend anyone if they have a chance to go to Bulgaria because maybe you're in a, you're in a neighborhood or they have a lot of money on for flights and they want to do something bougie like go to Bulgaria and eat the food it's so good the food there is so good and it's so right. cheap like you will eat yourself twice as fat with what is your favorite dish the, the most expensive part is getting there because the flight's expensive but once you get oh. there you can ball on a budget <laughs> <laughs> okay it's so tasty the food there's so good maybe i'm a little biased because i'm bulgarian but it's that like farm fresh like home cooked it's so good it's do you do you I, have a favorite dish you can recommend um kufte is the staple it's a meat thing so most people will enjoy it <laughs> it's basically like ground beef and pork prepared in a certain way it's like a meatloaf type deal um okay. but kufte is what it's called or kebabche those are like our two staple meats dishes that everyone loves and enjoys okay yeah <clears throat> nice gotta you wanna, try if you want to be bougie go to bulgaria <laughs> i wish that for you yeah <laughs> so do you so here in the United States do you ever find that your background um is helpful to you good question or, or profitable even I'm having trouble recall I, I'm sure it has been at some point or another yeah <laughs> especially when I've met other people from uh overseas like maybe I've met like some people who are from Russia or um not that Russia is very close to Bulgaria but it's still closer than the United States as far as like how people behave and how they think mm -hmm. so in situations like that where I've um uh, where <laughs> I've met <laughs> other people who are from a Slavic background or maybe even other Bulgarians like it, it's helped me understand their thinking better whereas mm. one else may have not understood what they're saying or why they're saying things that they're saying mm. um, but I don't know how valuable that is it makes me angry more often than not <laughs> okay <laughs> angry how <laughs> I think sometimes I think of the way people think in other cultures and I'm like that's deeply flawed and I hate it <laughs> Oh, okay. you know, because Bulgarians are like they're, they they want to be a modern country like every other place, and we do have all the modern conventions that every other country has. But the people there are still a little bit. There's a lot of misogyny still going around there. Mm. I'm going to stop tiptoeing around it. Gotcha. So I, I I often understand where certain things are coming from, but it makes me upset because I'm like, well, that's wrong. Mm. Like I get it, but that's wrong. Yeah. So and, okay. and like that, like that. That's uh, those are ways that it sort of helps me. Um, and I'm sure there's others, but I can't, I can't think of them right now necessarily. I feel like more often than not, it trips me up because there is a pretty big cultural difference. And mm. You can come with a lot of weird cultural baggage from another place where it makes it difficult for you to understand why people are saying certain things to you. And maybe they're saying them in a friendly way, but you, you already have a different association with that concept. So it doesn't yeah. sound as friendly to you. Yeah. It can make, it can make building relationships a little bit difficult if you're not careful to try and understand that this is a different person who grew up in a different place. And those words mean a different thing to them. Mm -hmm. I've encountered that a lot and it helps to understand but it's also kind of like yeah it's a it's a little bit taxing emotionally yeah can be. <laughs> <laughs> I I can think of um the the most clear example that I can think of um is you know so I was working with this helicopter tour company <clears throat> we have a lot of tourists come through and a huge amount uh, uh, a lot of tourists from India um, and so, you know, I learned a lot about Indian culture. I mean, it's still just like scratching the surface, of course. But one of the biggest things that was really hard for Americans to get used to is like how Indians um, like to agree with something. They, you know, do this with their head, which is for 
American culture, like you do this when you're being silly, like if I'm mocking you or something, but for them, like they're, they're oh, it's like affirmative. A yeah. Like a head. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they'll be, I've been, you know, giving some instructions, some very serious instructions and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, doofus Americans would be like, oh, you know, these, these Indians doing this, like mocking them. And it's just like, no, like, let's just shift our brains to understand that this means something completely different. And like, even for me, like, you know, to see it, it's like knee jerk my entire life. Like, that's just somebody like joking around or being childish. And it's not. I mean, not to win that situation, but super cool conceptually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Imagine. I'm really glad you shared that with me because I actually realized something else. And I I guess I tend to forget this because I I just, I have no reason to think of it. But I I should mention that one of the biggest and weirdest differences between Bulgaria and here, and even Bulgaria and like other European countries, because I think only like one or two other countries do this and I can't name which ones they are. But in Bulgaria, when you have the head gestures of like, yes and no, Mm-hmm. Those are flipped there. Oh this, God! Yes. And this is no. Oh gosh, that's so confusing. <laughs> I don't know why, but we do it differently. I, I never really understood why, but we do it differently. And the last time I did visit, I had like a, a goofy moment like that where my grandma was like, "Would you like some soup?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'd like some soup." And she was like, "Okay, I'll put it away." And I'm like, "No, I want the soup." <laughs> Oh wow. Like when I when this incident happened, I hadn't been there. Like this was my first visit in 14 years. So I was like, going there, I, I I knew it, but it was it's difficult to switch that off. I mean, that's such a basic motion. Like it's, it's right. burned into your mind now. So yeah. like suddenly, even though you know that you're in a place now where it's flipped, like to try it on the fly, remember that is like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> motion but the but the opposite one I think it would have yeah. been a little bit easier for me to remember if it was some completely different motion but because yeah. it's the same thing I was just like yeah there was a couple of little hiccups like that but I was like oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah so like really simple examples but I, again I can only imagine how frustrating that can get when you're trying to like speak of anything kind of more serious or like even apply that in a serious situation it's just yeah <laughs> like you are actually talking about rewiring where you need yeah. to have clear communication and now you can't because there's like like it needs to be translated like it's, it's like yeah. you're you're listening to it but you're having to translate what you're hearing into your own language so that you can understand it and it's difficult it's a yeah. difficult process i uh I don't know how I would explain it to someone who doesn't, who hasn't had to learn a second language. You know, I'm not talking about high school, like, or or college, because you can get by without really like having to think about what the person is saying, because it's an exercise and whatever, maybe you get a B on it. But like, yeah, (laughs) country and you need to ask that person where the fuck this building is. And you need to do it quick and you don't yeah. know the language very well and you're like trying to understand what they're saying to you it's 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 a little bit crazy it's very hectic in the brain yeah yeah i, I <sighs> trying not to like have judgment for people against people who who refuse to like learn other languages but like it's so good for the brain like it, it sucks but <laughs> it's good for the brain it's good for the brain I, I was reading something recently about how it like helps prevent cognitive de- decline to know a second language because it um it basically like they were saying how people who know more than one language when they hear sounds because language is sounds when they hear sounds um the brain has to now call back to two different sets of language pieces to figure out what they're saying like it it, it they did some like scanning stuff that was very cool which revealed that actually the neurons fire in both languages and the person in a split second has to decide are they speaking English or German or you know whatever other language they might know yeah huh so in in layman's terms that is your brain working harder 
folks. <laughs> Language learning. I've had a lot of fun with Duolingo in the last year. And I asked ah. who wants to hone their language skills. I wasn't, what? I don't get anything for saying this. I just really like the app. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really funny. Some of the, some of the translations or some of the like quizzes are weird. I don't know if, how, what, what language were you working? Oh, <laughs> I was um, doing French and Spanish. Okay, yeah, so Portuguese was a little hard, but. Too. And the French one looked weird when I was looking at her. It was weird, the French one. But yeah, they have some oddball sentences in there. And I think it's just a good fun to like help you remember the stuff because you're more likely yeah. to remember some goofy thing than something. That is true. Stuff. Very true. They just don't do it on purpose. They give you some really funny exercises. <laughs> My favorite one is my duck is bigger than his <laughs> that I had in German and I was like yes my duck is bigger than his <laughs> please 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 if you find a situation in which you actually get to use that please let me know just remember me. <laughs> um so getting into some good stuff um so just diving right into the philosophy uh so <clears throat> You know, of course, I come from like an academic philosophy background, but um, part of the reason that I have loved remaining connected with you is because you think. Um, and <laughs> so that's all that's really required for philosophy. So I just wonder, how does philosophy apply to your life? How do you think philosophy is relevant to your life personally or professionally? Uh, well, first of all, I do a lot of extracurricular thinking. <laughs> Um, I think personally, let me tackle these one by one. Um, personally, I would say it helps me because um, it, it helps me get out of sticky situations emotionally. Um, I found a lot of relief in just doing a little more creative thinking to kind of calm like any kind of anxieties and like things like that, that I, I think everyone gets, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. um, so personally, I feel like even though I don't, I've never taken a philosophy class or anything like that, I, uh, I tend to en enjoy like maybe some amateur philosophizing on my own to sort of make sense of the world why things are happening, why people are doing the things that they're doing, even though I don't like them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stuff like that, I think. Uh, it might be a little bit basic, but like I said, I don't have any academic background with philosophy. So I think any like any practice of it that I do is is completely amateur. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think fine. I think it does help. Like it's it's good to it's it's good to let yourself take a walk in, in that in that area in that realm because yeah you never know what might you might discover or learn about yourself um yeah professionally it's sort of in the same realm but it helps me to understand others more and i sometimes i really don't want to understand others <laughs> but, but you have to because um you know, at the end of the day, I, I do entertainment and I'm interested in knowing what makes people feel good, um, mm. what makes people feel safe and happy, um, while also sometimes feeling extremely unsafe <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and that requires <laughs> a lot of creative thinking as well. Um, especially if you want to, you know, keep things kind of interesting and come up with yeah. new ideas all the time. It definitely boosts creativity professionally, for sure. Yeah. Um, so about this boosting kind of creativity and, and I mean, you deal with people's, exactly as you said, with what, you know, brings people pleasure and, and discomfort and you dance this like fine line between those things um 
there's just so much to say right now. So I, I feel like I actually should have started here. Like <laughs> as, as, as a dominant, as a dominatrix, um, just to be clear to the audience, cause I had to make this clear when I was interviewing one of my poll friends. Um, yes, people are in handcuffs. People are in latex. People are um, restrained in very extreme ways. Um, and you facilitate these things um, at their request request being used loosely. Um, um, and so when you're being creative in dancing that line, I mean, what kinds of like questions, what kind of brainstorming do you do as a dominant? <laughs> I guess I'm asking. What does that look like for you? And how's well, that like different? Vary a lot depending on how you know, how easy to work with the person is. Mm. And, you know, there's a limit, of course. There's a very clear limit, in fact, of, of how difficult they can be before. I just, I'm just, I just won't deal with it. <laughs> okay. But, you know, it, it just depends because sometimes I have a lot more time to think and sometimes I have a lot less time to think. Like sometimes mm. you do things last minute because I don't know, they just have to for some reason. <laughs> And I never recommend that for anything um, at all because it doesn't give the person time to prepare. Like, you know, it's uh, it's not like you're booking, you know, a car wash that like a machine can do. You're booking something very creative. So if yeah. if you if you give the person like 15 minutes to think about it, I mean, sure they might be experienced and have lots of things to pull from from their little like walks mm -hmm. but at the same time you want to give them more time so like ideally I think a, a couple of days I like to have to think about something that I'm gonna do that's very creative like that like a scene especially if it's something very involved and I it'll give you more opportunities to come up with different things to pull from because the other thing is Sometimes, even if I did plan ahead, things go wrong and then you have to brainstorm quickly anyway. Mm. But it helps if I had time to think about it. If I was like, okay, if I'll do this, but if it doesn't work, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. you know? And I sort of have like a little mental checklist of like, this is like my idea and like, these are the things that could go wrong. And then like, these are the routes I would take. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have like a flow chart or anything. It's just very nebulous. Like yeah. <laughs> in my mind, I don't have like a timeline or anything. Um, because yeah, things could go wrong. I mean, maybe that day, like the person's, I don't know, having like a leg cramp when you can't like tie them a certain way or something. And like, there's just okay. like different things. Maybe like that day they woke up and emotionally they didn't feel so good. So like maybe that weird humiliation scene that you had planned isn't really the best it's choice. Not fly. Something like that because emotionally they won't be able to handle it um mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like little things that you have to sort of consider and keep in the back of your mind yeah it's difficult to automate something like that yeah um but yeah my that's I my creative process usually involves just kind of sitting down and thinking about you know these are the these are like the things that this person is interested in finding out about and these are the things that they definitely can't do and what can I you know what what are my options within that that realm and if, mm -hmm. you know I'll be honest if they if the person makes a good impression uh I, I think it definitely stimulates my um my creativity a little bit more because it um it frees up all of my concerns about mm. whether or not they'll be difficult and uh, allows more space for me to think about all the possibilities that are there. So yeah, uh, a lot of variability. I wish I could answer that a little bit more like concretely, <laughs> but I think this is- No, <laughs> I, I, I like that. And it's it, like, I'm, I'm smiling and it's really like warming my heart <laughs> because of like, I'm just understanding how this is really applicable to, to spaces outside of uh, you know, the BDSM world. Um, and it, it's like, we don't know what's what mental space, what headspace somebody is going to be in whenever we are 
you know, going to be encountering them, especially if it's something that we've made an appointment for, like whether, whether we are actually talking about a car wash or we're talking about something, <laughs> something less automated, like we don't know if the machine is going to be broken, whether that machine is like the one that we made the appointment for or ourselves, like, but yeah, if we go for a car wash and it turns out somebody like broke our windshield that morning, like our plans are ruined. And so we have to make other plans and, and being able to think creatively when you have somebody's, somebody's energy, you know, in your hands, um, it is, is really important. And that's, I think that's really beautiful <laughs> as a thinker <laughs> to hear that, like you do consider these things. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of pieces. There's so many different pieces to creating this moment. And um, you don't know, you don't have, I don't have control over every single one of them. I mean, I, I obviously, I, I try to put myself in a position where I have the most control because that's the whole point of the situation. But ultimately <laughs> I don't have a hundred percent control, you know? So you kind of have to, you have to, yeah, you have to be kind of on your toes and, um, you know, be able to think quickly mm. um, and be able to read people really well. And sometimes you're reading someone you just met. You don't know this person. That's why I always tell people, that's another thing I, I say to people, I'm like, you know, it really takes, it takes a couple of times. Like, I think we're all, um, we're all fed this, like, I mean, I think it's kind of a lie, like this sort of like fantasy of love at first sight which doesn't have to be romantic love at first sight. You could fall in love with like some, like an item at first sight. Like you see something and you like suddenly love it and think that you need it in your life. But like, that's very rare, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you don't see the amazing things inside of a person the first time you see them. Sometimes you need to see them two or three times to see how amazing they really are. So like yeah. expecting to be able to meet someone and right away to have this like, connection where you can go really far into like some sort of really dystopian scene with them is I would keep my expectations low so that I could be surprised <laughs> you know what I mean and yeah. I'm not saying this in a mean way like you're gonna have a bad time I'm just saying like usually it takes a couple of meetings to be able to even just relax enough to be able to allow the other person to read you better yeah sometimes the other person is so nervous that I'm trying, I'm having a hard time figuring out, are they having a good time or are they so terrified their heart's about to explode? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it just, yeah. it, it takes two, like, and I think a lot of times it does take a couple of tries to sort of like really get to where you're going and then you can make your decision. I'm like, I like this or no. Yeah. Um, this doesn't, it doesn't really lead into this, but I, it's still under the same category. Um, kind of a big question. Uh, what purpose or purposes do you feel you serve to individuals or to yourself or to society? Like through your profession, professionally, what purposes do you serve? <laughs> yeah. That's a big one. Have to, I have to talk about myself and how important I am. <laughs> I am, you know, it's, it's, I think it's hard to touch on those subjects without feeling a little bit arrogant, but I'll do it. Um, even when you said earlier, like we met because I was your boss, I was like, I never really like, I mean, yes, I, I was, but I just never really like thought of it that way. Like, I just felt like we were all working there together and yeah. I did the schedule. And, <laughs> <laughs> and told us what colors we, what, what was the color theme for the night? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't people choose that a lot of times so happy there. Um, but let's see um my, my purpose well first of all I definitely feel like I give people a safe space to experience their fantasies and I I suppose I'm no more bound by any rules than anyone else because there's no contract. There's no like, when you go to the doctor and you're about to get a procedure done, they make you sign like 10 different papers saying that if something goes wrong, you're not gonna sue the doctor and blah, 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 and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's no such thing when, when, I, when I interact <laughs> with someone, there's no such thing. There's, there's, no, there's no contract. I mean, the contract 
can be there as part of some sort of role play or something, but it wouldn't really work in court. <laughs> so, <laughs> so technically, legally speaking, I, I guess I'm not bound by any obligation to keep the person safe. But I am professionally because I've built my whole career around this. So like, I can't let someone die yeah. or I can't let them have such a terrible experience that they like run out and tell everyone that I'm like the worst person in the world, you know? Yeah. I have a moral obligation to keep people that I see safe because that's what I, that's what I represent. I represent a safe space for them to experience their kinks. I, I represent, um, you know, like, a, like an iteration of, of their interests mm. with my art and, you know, the stuff that I do that my followers like so um I think and I think that's really important for the community people people are going to have these desires and these fantasies and these thoughts and they're not innately bad as long yeah. as you exercise them in a safe way that's not affecting anyone around you in a bad way then mm -hmm. it's, it's that's your business that's your thing you do you you know <laughs> so <laughs> I think that um giving people a place to explore their desires and explore their imaginations um is important because what i've learned in life is that if you tell someone no they're just going to go do it somewhere else mm. you know what i mean like there's very yeah. people who are deterred by a ban or by a censor on something most people yeah. are determined enough that if it's a desire of theirs they're gonna pursue it and it's better yeah. to give them a safe place to pursue it versus banishing them into the shadows where they're gonna accidentally suffocate themselves with a belt because they're stupid and they mm -hmm. didn't realize that you shouldn't tie a knot around your neck mm -hmm. when you're like doing whatever you do yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you know i feel like I facilitate a safe space for a lot of these people. I, I've met a lot of people with some really extreme interests to the point where I'm like, I don't know what you do when I'm not around, but I'm worried for you. And I've oh met a lot of people. There's been people who have contacted me online, you know, and like told me about, asked me questions about their kinks and told me what they've done. And I've been like, please don't ever do that again because we might never have a conversation yeah <laughs> you know after one of your little play sessions like yeah um there's some extreme kinks out there and i'm not saying people shouldn't do them but i'm just saying people should be really careful when they do them and you know make sure someone's around that knows what's going on that like cares for you and understands what's happening <laughs> yeah um, don't you know don't don't do things like secretively and on your own because some of this stuff can be dangerous and i'm and it's no more dangerous than like you know, maybe ice skating or something like that. Right. Like, you can get hurt doing anything, but if you think you're going to get hurt doing something, make sure someone's around, you know, don't climb that sketchy ladder to the attic that might fall if you don't have someone nearby you. Don't choke yourself with a belt yeah. if, if there's someone not nearby you to make sure that you don't die, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's common sense stuff, but I feel like it's not always common sense stuff to people depending on the situation. And it's important for, for there to be people who can facilitate that. So yeah. people like me, I think, yeah. um, are important for the community because they, they have a vested interest in educating people around them about the safety of the activities. They have a vested interest in um, making sure that these scenes go smoothly and no one gets hurt. Yeah, I I like that kind of phrasing um, uh, of kind of couching all of this because you know right now and it's not really different than any other time I think in modern history um, where people are trying to police like the sex industry, sex workers, and um, you know right now there's a lot of there's a lot going on with social media and and considering like bands and and like actual bands, shadow bands, taking posts down, deleting <laughs> accounts. I know it's really touchy for you. <laughs> it's like, but I think, you know, there's, there's the prude. Yeah, there's the prude folks at one end who um, just want this to be completely eliminated from life. Um, unless we're like talking about making a baby, I guess. It's like, that's the only safe time there is to talk about sex. 
And then there's everybody else who at least has some minimal understanding for, um, you know, their sexuality to be expressed in a whole lot of different ways. But there's this really small group there at the extreme prude end that are trying to kind of control all the different ways that sexuality can be expressed. And something that um, maybe people who aren't at that prude extreme, many people don't understand or don't reflect on very often is that whether we're talking about, um, you know, the pole dancing that I teach in a studio or uh, you with your clients or even, you know, uh, uh, prostitutes are in a state or in a brothel where it's legal. It's like we're trying to facilitate these experiences in a safe setting under certain, you know, with some education under our belt about how this should and shouldn't be done. And then, you know, you get to do this thing that you would otherwise hurt yourself or hurt someone else doing. Um, and I think that's just really important to highlight. It's like, okay, if you don't personally like it, then don't do it. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't invest in it. Don't go to your page. Don't like, <laughs> pick somebody up. Like, it's just not for you. Fine. Don't look this way. Just look the other way. Just look the other way. Yeah. But if people are trying to access these experiences in really safe ways and high quality ways, then I don't see a problem, but oh. yeah, uh, I feel like underneath all of that is just these these control freak people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because what do you care what a bunch of other people are doing? Like, why does everyone have to do what you want to do? Who like who made you the moral compass of the world? Like, why? why can't people why can't you boil it down to like is this damaging anything mm -hmm. no okay leave it alone then it's not damaging anyone it's not hurting yeah. anyone it's not messing anything up and honestly the whole thing with you know oh well we, we're just trying to make sure no one gets sex trafficked and stuff like that like that whole thing i just what i want to say about that is i find the <laughs> <laughs> I find it so insulting. I find it so insulting that this is what they choose. Like, I'm sorry, but I just just a tiny little bit of thinking would lead you to see that that's first of all a blatant lie. Like, that's not why I'm doing it. And second of all, like, there's a there's a distinct difference between people who are being trafficked, which is a crime, and people who are doing a job. Yeah. So like. I don't know. I mean, you could kidnap people and make them dig ditches. So like, is construction now a bad job because people are being <laughs> Yeah. This can be applied to so many different ways. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it's called. I think it's called like, a, it's called the slippery slope. I think that's what it's called. Like, yeah. It, you know, they try to use this other thing, like, oh, well, you know, if, if this lady is doing this, then, like, who knows, next thing you know, like, my one-year-old baby is going to be sucking dicks for crack, and it's like, no, it doesn't, like, there's no relationship <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> the fact that anyone is even agreeing with that is just, like, mind-blowing to me, to, to have yeah. the arrogance to come out and say something that makes no sense like that, just to try to assert your desire for how you think that the world should be, is just mm -hmm. like, that shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't mm -hmm. be able to just come out and be like, oh, well, the blah, 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 which is like a total lie, but like, I'm just gonna use it as a supporting statement because no one's gonna fact check me. Like, right. come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no, I tell you like this- Power and control and I don't like it. Yeah. I, that that's you know part of the reason that I'm doing this series part of the reason like that where this fits into this greater like make America think again project is that there's 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 people who definitely have that power control issues those power and control issues and then there's people who are just on autopilot and they don't realize how irrational they're being and so um you know I hope that I can do my part to <laughs> To like water the plants <laughs> of rationality or whatever that might be but um I yeah I just hope that you know seeing seeing a pretty face <laughs> to some rational thinking um adding it never to know whose perspective is gonna stick yeah yeah for real um, um 
and the other thing that came in my mind is asking, um, what have you learned about people in your profession? Mm, I don't know if what I've learned in my profession is exclusive to my profession. Okay. Um, I've learned some things about people that are exclusive to my profession, like that some people have certain kinks that you would never think that they would have. <laughs> um, and that's made me feel like, you know, the average person is a lot kinkier than we realize. And no one should be ashamed of that. That should be fine. Like that shouldn't be weird. Or I think a lot more people would be more comfortable with talking about it if they didn't fear some sort of repercussions or background, mm. which is ridiculous. Like, you don't, I mean, I guess someone might unfriend you for liking a crappy band, but like, you shouldn't be friends with you. Like, not be friends with you just because you like something. Like, that's like not liking someone because they eat pizza rolls. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I have learned like how how much more common certain kinks are, and they're pretty common. Like, especially things like foot fetish. Uh, bondage is really, really common. Um, and I, I guess I have also understood people a little bit more on, on like, a, like the level of, there's a lot of weird, like minute things that, that, that are in the works behind our emotions and what we want and what we don't want. Mm -hmm. And, um, Man, there's a huge difference between people like when they're flooded with one, with one kind of chemical in their brain, and when they're mm. not, when they have a different one swimming around in there, mm -hmm. you can become a really different person. Um, yeah, and that's almost a little bit scary, but it does. It does go to show you that we're all capable of pretty much the same stuff. I mean, sure, we all have like things that we're better at and things that we're worse at but by and large most of us are capable of being certain ways under the right conditions mm -hmm. like if you you know <laughs> when people are in a state of fear or in a state of arousal or anything like that like they like those are you're almost talking to a different person yeah and that's kind of valuable to know because in a regular interaction with someone, like let's say they're your cubicle mate or someone, you might never really figure out why that person acts so weird sometimes. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I feel like I've gained, I don't wanna say like I know, but I feel like I've gained insight into a lot of people in that way because I, I see their demeanor change yeah. when they experience some kind of like very emotionally triggering thing like yeah whether it be arousal or, or or excitement or joy or you know whatever the scene involves extreme fear yeah <laughs> people really like that feeling of helplessness it helps them even out um huh. in a weird way i think that that really like provokes a really that it's provokes an interesting thought experiment for, for anybody who's just like, what the hell? Um, we're like, you know, think about it. How often, you, whoever's watching or listening, <laughs> how often do you see people in a different emotional state? So not just happy, not surprised, not sad, and not... I'm not sure what the other emotional states are. <laughs> those are those are the typical ones that you'd see somebody in in an office, not bored, um, and not like engaged, like some more extreme emotional states. And like, how often do we do we witness that? And if you're in a job where like you're not like a, a first line worker, you probably don't see people who are you know in shock often, who are angry, who are. Um, in extreme kinds of pain. If you're not, you know, a, a sex worker, you don't see people aroused frequent. Different people aroused. You don't see different types of arousal or, you know, fear. Suddenly, you're talking suddenly, about. suddenly, that guy that everyone thinks is a super nice guy is kind of a pig. Or, 
you know, or that yeah. guy who like everyone thinks is like the scariest person in the world is in complete subspace. And like you you could never convince anyone that knows them outside of that realm that they would even be capable of becoming such a small docile person. Right. But that's part of them. They just, you know, they just keep it in check until it's time to release that version of themselves. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, um, and that's another thing, like the subspace is uh is something that you definitely don't you'll probably never really experience. I, I can't think of I don't want to say never because you never say never. <laughs> right. But I can't think of many other situations where you would find someone in subspace. <laughs> And that's a very um, <laughs> that's a very profound situation to be in um, when you're yeah. in charge of someone who is in subspace because yeah. you're, you're very much like responsible for them at that moment. They they can lose um, they can lose a sense of themselves. They can forget who they are. They can they're they're very dependent on you at that moment, depending on like how deep they allow themselves to go in. And mm-hmm. um, and I wanna I wanna. Um, underline that they're allowing themselves to go into that space. I'm not forcing them into subspace. I'm just facilitating an environment where they feel comfortable enough to fall into subspace because it's different things trigger for different people. And some people have an easier time going in and out of it. It's a lot like hypnosis in a way, but Mm -hmm. not exactly the same. It's just like a different state of suggestibility that you could fall in. But one thing that I've notice that is sort of a across the board is that you need they need to feel safe right they can't feel ultimately unsafe even though it's a unsafe situation they need to there needs to be like a bottom line of of safety like they know that like you are their dom and you are there and you're going to make sure they don't they don't fall over in their dizziness yeah. and like crack yeah. their head open or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which can happen. People can get a little dizzy. They might need to like lay down and just like fish out for a moment. Absorb <laughs> what's happening. Fish out. <laughs> I've not heard that. <laughs> like I've that. seen all sorts of crazy reactions and like they're all beautiful and unique and they kind of make you feel really good inside because you're like, oh my God, this person is like jello now <laughs> like, <laughs> i can do whatever i want to them i won't be evil but i can do whatever i want to them <laughs> yeah um so just um for kind of like i mean i i don't want to say that i'm i'm the most experienced person I, i'm so not experienced but from my perspective as somebody who has been i spent a few years like getting tied up i was dating somebody who did that and it was lovely i love rope play it's it's oh, yeah. really freeing and so for anybody who doesn't understand like this subspace is from my experiences it's this place physical mental place space that you can go to that you go to that is peace and freedom it's it's letting go um you do god now i'm trying to like say this and it's so (laughs) so difficult to explain yeah my god so, okay, let me back myself up, bring the, like, make this relatable, um, non-sexual. So in like childhood, child therapy um, or uh, childhood education, you talk about how children will push boundaries, how children or animals will try and test what they can do to their parents, to their, whoever their caregiver is to see where that boundary is to see how far they can go. Okay. Essentially, if I'm with a dom, that's what we're going to do. We're going, except we're going to establish those boundaries written down verbally, some kind of way. And then anything before or within those boundaries is wide open. And that's where you get to experience all kinds of joy and pain and all those other emotions that we don't usually get to do on a daily basis. Um, so subspace is just freaking like diving in and being like absorbing all that stuff and just being in those, in that mental state. It's just like, I don't have to think, I don't have to do, I don't have to be in control, be the con, not, not conscious, but 
I don't have to be in control of myself necessarily because some that boundary is being kept up by this person. They know what those things are and they're going to keep me from going outside of those boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to put that out there for some folks if that was helpful at all. I'm not sure. But um, to hear you speak of it, you know, from your perspective is, is again, just so nice because like, you know, yeah, it feels really good to be like, oh gosh, I'm floating or like, I feel like the extra endorphins being released or whatever, but like to be able to see, to witness that in somebody else is just, oh, it seems so nice. <laughs> yeah, it's very humbling every time because mm. I feel like, um, <clears throat> I don't know if I understand it exactly because I, I definitely believe that everyone has their own unique experience and you can't understand someone exactly. But from my perspective, I'm just like, oh, they really like trust me. Yeah. And it makes me feel good because I'm like, okay, like here I am, like um, giving this person this like amazing experience and um, getting to kind of like live through through their eyes, through it uh, vicariously. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's a good experience for me usually too because I can kind of enjoy that from a safe distance. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, I have to move on to, to my, my last big question. Um, and this is um, ba -da -ba -da on existential dilemmas. So, <laughs> so um, basically, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on existential dilemmas? How do they apply to your life? How do you see them? How do you experience them? Oh yeah <laughs> existential dilemmas even just saying it is complicated <laughs> right if it's I helpful like i can go from one to another all the time okay you know like i just feel like i'm flowing through different ones okay all the, all the time um what were you going to say? Oh, um, so the, the last conversation I was having was with a pole friend who um, she, when I met her, since I met her, she has gotten a boob job and she's had a child. And so when I asked her this question, I was like, you know, of course there's all kinds of existential dilemmas, but like, as far as physically knowing you, it was pre-boob job, boob job, child. And those are three different bodies that like she has been living in. So mm -hmm. like as somebody who's never done any of those things I cannot fathom like oh my body is now different like that's that's an existential thing for me so I don't know <laughs> like if that applies to you because you're looking great I'm so glad you're healthy and that everything turned out well with you and your ladies <laughs> well I I did get boobs so I guess I could but I didn't think that it didn't really make me feel too different Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't apply to you. <laughs> I don't think that applies there um, too much. I think um, more in terms of having to play all these different roles in my life. Um, I've always, I feel like I've always struggled a little bit with like identity and what I'm supposed to be doing here. <laughs> What's my purpose after all? <laughs> <laughs> Do I just get to live for, you know, 70-ish consecutive years and then yeah. become ash or what? <laughs> um, or do I have like a greater purpose? Why did I have to learn all these things in my life? Um, I don't know. I just, mm. I think I just deal with it all by learning as much as I can so that I could try to make sense of it all. Although I feel like that just makes me more confused. <laughs> Trying to, you know, go back and piece together like my past and my present and how different they are. And uh, thinking back of like, you know, living a life where you had to really plan ahead a lot because things weren't as readily available as they are here. And like, I didn't have to do any of that. I was just along for the ride because I was a child, but like, I thought that was going to be my life and I was going to have to, you know, make sure that I get things a certain time because I have to can my own things for the winter. 
like my grandma did yeah. but that in my life I ended up switching directions completely and and living here and doing this I don't think I would have ever guessed that I would have been uh like a big scary dominatrix or even like a friendly one sometimes if you asked me when I was a kid I think I wanted to be like a biologist or an animal doctor or something when I was a kid I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um I don't even remember anymore it's so long ago um I don't really know how to answer your question very well without am- rambling <laughs> that's fine I mean and that's that's part of the existential dilemma right like <laughs> we, we we think that we have one problem and then we start thinking about the problem and then that leads us to other problems and then we don't really know where we started or where we're going or where we are so <laughs> that's why I'm saying I feel like I just flow from one to another because right when I feel like I figured it out I'm like oh but then there was this other thing yeah and then that doesn't make any sense now but yeah I think as long as you do your best every single day to be a nice person and to just mind your own business your life will be okay but I don't make any promises of that <laughs> like it because <laughs> I wanted to ask you at the beginning um if there were any like non-negotiables for you because I was asking that of um one of my other one of my other friends and I I think that sounds like one for you just kind of mind your own business non-negotiables and... can you um explain the question a little bit better yeah so um uh at first glance at first blush um people have their uh assumptions about what a dominatrix is and and who who she what a dominant is what kind of personality that person uh, has um and so as you being a full person um who is no different than any other person in many ways um what are some Some things that people need to know flat out about you um just non-negotiables um about your personality or there's there's no budget yeah uh let's see as a dominatrix well first of all I don't switch a lot of people like to ask you're not going to be that special special snowflake (laughs) it's not happening don't ask it just makes you look kind of rude honestly (laughs) um and let's see what else. Um, I'm not, you know, it's, I'm just like a regular person, like, like all the other regular people. I have hobbies. I like to pet my cats. Like, um, you know, when I, when I do, when I have a scene that I'm doing, I, I'm, I'm focused on that and that's who I am, but there, but there's many facets of my personality and I'm not, um, um, I definitely facilitate a fantasy for people. I uh, I don't wake up in my thigh high boots and my perfectly shine cat suit. I wish I did, but I don't. <laughs> really, you don't wake up in your thigh high boots, God. <laughs> um, and what else? Um, I just I'm just not a very judgmental person, so I don't have a, a lot of things. Um, I just expect everyone to, to respect me mm. uh, so that I can respect them. And um, I, I mean, I feel like it's really as basic as that. I, I, um, um, when, it's, um, when it's time for me to be the dominatrix, um, I have rules that are very clearly written for everyone to read that you can follow in order to communicate with me or to meet with me. But um, outside of that, outside of that like fantasy realm where you need to follow those like 10 commandments that I have for people um I just I feel like respect is the most important thing um that you can give people you don't even have to give them kindness if you don't want to maybe Mm. you don't have any kindness left but you Mm. have to respect other people because if you don't respect other people they won't respect you Mm. and um one of my non-negotiables is definitely like if I find that someone is disrespectful in any way even if it's just by accident because I definitely believe that a deed is a deed whether it was accidental or not 
So there's only so many times people can forgive you. And I can't forgive a lot of disrespect. I think that's one of the most important things. Um, yeah. Respect others, respect their right to disagree with you and respect their rights to have different likes and dislikes from you and then move on. And that's it. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Um, I have uh, one just final question. It's a quick one. Um, and this one comes from my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> he wants to know what your favorite or your dream cosplay is. My dream one? Your dream cosplay? Cosplay? Your, yeah. Or your favorite one that you've done? My favorite one that I've done is probably the Eon Flux one. I don't think I've seen that. Eon Flux or um, I love my Princess Peach. I mean, a lot of people are like, you know, you're not, Princess Peach is not a dominatrix. I'm like, how do you know she wasn't whooping Bowser's ass in the castle? You don't know that. <laughs> maybe she didn't want to hang out with Mario. Maybe she was fucking, maybe she liked, Bowser. I don't know. Um, don't I love seeing my Peach because I'm a big sucker for, for Super Mario. So my rubber Peach is up there. But I think, um, just on top of that is my Eon Flux because she was really hot and I'm probably gonna do her again soon after because I did I did her before I did the boobs so I have to do it now again with the boobs. Ah, okay. I'm gonna go scrolling through to find that one. My good friend Alice shot it for me. Nice. Did a good job. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you would like the world to know that you'd like to share? in this context. <laughs> I want the world to know that kink is good and being horny is good and being sexually liberal is good. And I don't think you should be ashamed of any of your desires. And if you're ever questioning whether or not something you're doing is bad, just ask yourself this question, am I hurting anyone? And if you're not sure whether you're hurting someone or not, then ask them. Be like, hey, does this bother you? And if they say no, then, <laughs> then you're not hurting anyone. So you're free to enjoy yourself as much as you want. And don't let anyone bully you into thinking otherwise, because um, that's not nice. Um, and also, I want people to know that I am a Denver resident. So if they want to meet me for anything, they'd have to come here or they'd have to wait until I travel to a place that they live in, mm. which can all be found on my website, denvermistress.com. So don't DM me questions. I hate that. Just go on there and look. It's all in there. I did it all myself. I spent a lot of time and effort, but it can be beautiful for everyone who wants to come and look. And I just, I want you to enjoy this thing that I worked on very hard for all of you. So go to my website and look at all the things and then ask me questions. Denvermistress.com. Yes, denvermistress.com. It's so simple. Or Miss on social media. So awesome. Thank you for your time. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure. Um, yeah, I've learned some things about you, and I've learned some things, and I've got stuff to chew on for the rest of today. This is thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I really. I was really looking forward to doing this with you when you asked me. I was very excited and honored because I love all of your projects. You always do cool things that are thought-provoking and I like thinking. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do it whether I like it or not, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, this, was, this was wonderful. This was a great exercise for me. And um, if you have any questions later on, you're obviously more than welcome. <laughs>